Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is Buckeye Football Futures. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com. No Stephen Means this week. He is on vacation. He very smartly took vacation right here at the end of June so you can get out of town while these camps are still going on. And the rest of us have to jump in and try to make up uh, for what he's missing out on, which uh, he gets to do for me next uh, month when I'm pretty much scarce for the entire month of July. But Ohio State day camps kept rolling along. We had two more this week. Today's that I was just coming back from, I'm recording this on Wednesday afternoon. The one I was just at today, they were in Ohio Stadium. Uh, so it was fun, I guess, for those high school kids to get some time in the shoe, get to you know see what that's all about. But some recruiting news has been happening kind of around the camps this week, not necessarily from the camps. We're going to have Kayla Harvey on in a little bit. She is one of our correspondents. Actually, she's an intern for us this summer, and she's was out at the camp the last two days talking to players, getting some intel there, but she's been talking to people all along. So we're going to kind of get into what she learned the last couple of days and what else is going on with the players that she's been following. We're also going to answer some of your questions that I asked for uh, through the texts. And uh, if you're not a subscriber yet, 614-350-3315. We've been sending information from the camps the last couple of days. I hope you guys have been getting those and enjoying it. We'll get to that later on, but first we're going to start with another of our intrepid correspondence. This is Robert Fembers. He's been uh, doing this pretty much from the start, right? You've been one of the guys that's been um, along for the ride. And some of the guys that we had news on this week for Ohio State are guys that you've been talking to, you've been following them. Um, I guess maybe for a quick introduction, um, Robert, kind of tell people where you're from and how you got involved with cleveland.com. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I'm Robert Fembers. Um, I'm a senior at Cleveland State University. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've just been, I jumped on the running back and linebacker beat, I think around September last year. So I've really been, you know, digging deep with the linebackers and the running backs trying to see see what they're feeling and everything like that. And uh, yeah, you know, I've talked to Dallin Hayden, uh, Trayon Webb. Um, you know, it's just been a, it's been a great, great time. And I've really enjoyed, you know, kind of following their stories. So those are the two guys I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Dallin Hayden, people probably know, committed to Ohio State. 
uh, sort of between sessions of the day camps on Tuesday, 14th commitment for the 2022 class. He wasn't at the camp on uh, Tuesday. I don't mean to insinuate that. Like as we were all taking our lunch breaks, he decided to give us something to work on and, and committed. What can you tell us about Hayden, I guess, just first as a, a prospect, just because you've been following him for a while? Yeah, I mean, Dallin Hayden, boy, you know, I know he, he draws the Master T comparisons, but really Dallin just does everything well. I mean, he's a maturing physical back. He has a nice burst. You know, he, he can find the holes, accelerate very quickly, and he can also catch the ball, which is obviously a plus. Um, I guess the only thing you can say about Dallin is he's not flashy, and that's exactly where the Master T comparisons come in. You know, he, he's a bulldozer. He can, he can go through, but he can also accelerate. And, uh, you know, he's, it's just going to be great to see what Coach Elfrick can do for him, especially, you know, being a part of an Ohio State weight training program and everything like that. He's 5'11", 195 pounds, and you can just imagine a couple, couple 20 pounds of muscle, what he can do. Um, in his sophomore year, he, he only had 600 rushing yards, so he exploded out of the scene his junior season. 234 carries, 2,010 yards, 24 touchdowns. Um, he took home Mr. Football in the state of Tennessee. And obviously with Dallin, he, you know, he's, he said in his commitment video, he does kind of follow in the shadow of his, of his father, Aaron Hayden. Um, he was a Tennessee running back. A lot of people wanted him to go to Tennessee, but, you know, it turns out Dallin just wanted to carve his own path. And he's watched Ezekiel Elliott. He's watched the Buckeye running backs. And he's really been building that relationship with Coach Halford over the past six months. It's just been it's been great to see kind of him just mature and and commit to Ohio State. So the Master T comparisons go a little bit deeper than that, even because they're both from Tennessee. They mm -hmm. uh, similar size. Uh, that's always a, a tricky thing to say though, because Master T is just a just a dude as far as his physique. Like he's just a freakishly like built guy uh but but Hayden's similar size and then also just kind of the the ranking stature for both of them I mean, four-star guys but not like pushing into the top 50 or anything like that uh Hayden was ranked somewhere in the 200s that was kind of where I expected Ohio State to try to find someone for this class you just brought in two like upper high level prospects for the 2021 class you're targeting some guys for 2023 they're a big deal we'll talk about one of them in a minute so then maybe 2022 is not like you're just settling for someone but one where you're probably gonna have to take someone who is a little bit more developmental someone who doesn't expect to you know come in and start on day one yeah absolutely I mean by no means are they settling for Dallin Hayden um you know also a stat with Dallin Hayden he had seven consecutive 200 yard rushing games in his junior season I mean just something like that I'm sure gets Buckeye fans excited but no it's definitely not settling at all I mean I kind of liken it to a sprinter turning the final stretch and just leaving everyone else in the dust you know Dallin Hayden you know maybe he wasn't on some people's radar back in the fall a lot of people were talking about Damari Alston, uh, Nicholas Singleton especially. Uh, you know, he was you know really big on Penn State and Ohio State. Singleton's, I believe, a top five back. Alston was a top 25 back. And I think those were a lot of the names that people were focusing on. But really, Dallin just continued to build that relationship with Coach Alford. And over the past six months, I mean, back in December, I talked to Dallin, and he told me that Coach Alford was one of his strongest relationships on the recruiting trail. 
And you can just see it, you know, during his official visit. I, I'm sure, you, Nathan, you probably saw the the photo shoot um, with Dallin. He's with Coach Alfred holding the football, and he's got he's smiling just ear to ear. You know, he's got a beaming smile, and you can just see how how he knew he belonged at Ohio State once he's you know he probably knew before that, but once he stepped foot on the campus, you know, and was able to talk with the coaches, you know, see him see everything about uh, the whack, everything like that. You know, he just really enjoyed his visit, and it really. Just put him over the top but there were definitely some options I mean Nicholas Singleton you know it kind of it fell into place you know Nicholas Singleton canceled his official visit with Ohio State uh, June 25th he, he it was a scheduling conflict and he just kind of swapped out Ohio State for Alabama so he'll be visiting Alabama this weekend and he was a huge target for for coach Alford and then Damari Austin I mean I've talked with Damari multiple times I mean he was chopping at the bit to get to Columbus he was so excited um, to, to be a part of that Buckeye culture. But, you know, the COVID restrictions and just everything just seemed to be going against him. And then, you know, the SEC schools came calling and it really lured him and made him stay, stay down south. And, and that's, that's what happened. I mean, everything just kind of fell in place. And, you know, Dallin, while that was happening, was just continuing to rise, you know, continuing that relationship. And even he took an unofficial visit, more like a self-guided tour with his father, um, to Ohio State on St. Patrick's Day, and he just walked around the campus, and that was kind of a preview of what of what he would see for his official visit, and he he loved every minute of it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about some of those other dominoes that fell that might have led to this, and you mentioned Singleton canceling his OSU visit, which sort of indicated his interest. Uh, I think you may have written something about Austin a couple weeks ago, or maybe this is in the conversations we were having. No, it was what you wrote today. I'm sorry. It was what you wrote for Cleveland.com. Uh, this morning where you were kind of talking about some of these dominoes and Alston was one where I thought maybe there had been a, a, a let's say just a lack of enthusiasm had kind of, or his, his, his focus had turned elsewhere. But then the other one that I thought might be important was the Gavin Sawchuck commitment to Oklahoma. That was someone else Ohio state was in on. How did you feel like was the timing of maybe that and the um, Hayden commitment coincidental, or do you think one led to the other? I don't think the Gavin Sawchuk commitment and the Dallin Hayden commitment were were kind of intertwined. I think Gavin Sawchuk was really, really sold on Oklahoma. You know, he wanted to take his official visits. He had a great time at Ohio State, but I think he was really sold on Oklahoma. I think they committed about 26 minutes apart uh, via Twitter. But um, yeah, I don't think that one's related. And as far as Damari, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of a head scratcher, honestly. You know, I talked to him multiple times. You know, he said he was so eager to get there you know he updated me told me you know not yet I haven't made a made a visit uh, schedule with coach Alford and then you know he started scheduling visits he started scheduling Penn State uh, LSU and then Northwestern came up and crept up and you know Damari was very high on his education he really you know really wanted to find a school that was was good with education so it explains why Northwestern got an official but um, yeah, it just it just never came into fruition. He just kind of backed off, and you know whether Damari and Dallin talked. Um, you know, I mean, Damari told me you know they do talk sometimes, and I think about a couple months ago, you know, I did a piece, and Damari actually mentioned, you know, I said I said you know Dallin's really coming on strong. Like, are you feeling? are you feeling any pressure to commit? And he said, no, you know, absolutely not. He's like, if, you know, if Dallin commits to Ohio state, then that's awesome for Dallin. I'm so happy for him. And I know coach Alfred's only going to take one back. So I'll just be out in the next school. And I think that's exactly what happened. Hayden was a, the number 300 recruit in the country 
as of the end of August last year. So, you know, 10 months ago, basically, was number 300. He's up in like the 230s now. Do you think he's a guy that's going to keep climbing? He's been as high as 207 as far as the composite. So never has escaped like that, that 200 level. Uh, but, and, and I, as people who listen to the podcast know, I'm not as wrapped up in that as some other people are. But the fact that they, they might be thinking they're getting someone with a, a higher ceiling than their the recruiting rankings seem to indicate. I mean, I think there's always potential definitely for Dallin. Like I said, it's, it's exciting to see him, you know, get to campus and, and really, you know, once he's on campus as, as an actual Buckeye, you know, in uniform, it's going to be really exciting to see what the weight training program can do for him. And, and obviously coach Alford and everything like that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think he'll, I think he'll rise, you know, it's going to be his senior year. And those numbers that he put up were sensational. So they definitely have, you know, their radar out for him. And obviously Ohio State has Trevion Henderson to look forward to as well. So they're going to be, they're going to be seeing enough talent in the running back room. <laughs> and let's talk about Trayon Webb. And there was uh, some developments with him today in that he had announced that he was going to be releasing something. He, we didn't know if it was going to be he's committing. We didn't know if he's just going to be trimming his finalist list. It turned out to be that second thing. He's down to three finalists, which are Georgia, who he was previously committed to, and Oklahoma. So you're hearing, hearing a lot of the, the same uh, team names come up when you're talking about some of these, these recruits, as, as often happens. But uh, this is a 2023 athlete, technically, but someone that they see as a running back. What can you tell us about Trey on Webb? Trey on Webb, yeah. I mean, six foot, 188 pounds. Uh, he's at a Trinity Christian Academy down in Florida. Um, you know, he's the number three athlete in the class of 2023, number 34 nationally. I mean, he was committed to Georgia. Yeah, he committed to Georgia and then a couple for about a couple months, and then he, he de- decommitted on January 9th. And that kind of set up, you know, him just kind of kind of getting excited to look at some other schools. And those schools have really crept up. You know, Oklahoma, obviously Georgia still has a chance. And Ohio State has really been making a move with him. You know, he's built a great relationship with Coach Alford, as, as most recruits have. And, you know, he was just in town earlier this month uh, on, an, on his unofficial visit. It was shortly after the uh, Buckeye Bash. And he loved it. I talked to him right after that visit, and he told me that he did not want to leave. It was that good. Um, it was just really exciting for him to you know, talk with Coach Alford. Coach Alford had been re- recruiting him, I believe, about since three years ago. That was the first time he's seen him in person since, uh, since he started recruiting him because he was recruiting uh, Marcus Crowley, who also was an alum from Trinity Christian Academy. And uh, so, yeah, you know, there was a nice connection there. And it, it just everything really went well for him. And uh, Crowley showed him around the uh, the facility and really kind of gave him the ins and outs of the program. And, yeah, he had a blast. And, you know, another tidbit with that is Richard Young, the number one ranked running back in the class of 2023, also kind of arrived. I think it was the final day of Trayon's visit. And he, you know, they all met up, you know, uh, Richard and Trayon and Coach Alford and a couple of the running backs. They went to dinner and they just talked and, you know, Richard and Trayon have talked about specifically joining, uh, joining Ohio State together. You know, they, they all want to play together, uh, them and uh, Brandon and Nis, the top-ranked wide receiver. They're all Florida boys. They all, you know, they're very close. They want to they play in the same team. Um, so, yeah, they met up, and they had a great time. And, yeah, the visit really was just sensational for Trayon Webb. And 
I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, he, he kind of toyed with people a little bit as far as, you know, I think we all kind of thought maybe it was a top list. Maybe it was a commitment, but, uh, you know, it's, it's on his time, you know, it's on his time. When I talked to him after that visit, he told me that there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of, you know, sketchy stuff sometimes on the recruiting trail and everything like that. He, he has his eyes open, you know, he, he knows who's being real with him, who's not being real with him and he's going to be honest. So he just, you know, he just wants to do it on his time. And yeah, it's just exciting for Ohio state to be in a top three, you know, Oklahoma is probably the favorite, but I'd say Ohio state's kind of neck and neck with them. Uh, the Sooners, you know, they just had their Champ U barbecue. They hosted over 50 recruits. Uh, they had exotic cars. They had Adrian Peterson, Kyler Murray. I mean, they had they had a lot of stuff to offer. And, uh, you know, Brandon Anis was at that Champ U barbecue with Trayon Webb uh, a couple days ago. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's going to be tight. It's going to be close. It'll be interesting to see what he does in August and kind of what develops uh, before that. Brandon Innes was on campus Tuesday with the day camp. It was kind of a loaded day camp. I believe Kayla Harvey wrote about that uh, for cleveland.com Wednesday morning, but we're going to ask her about him a little bit more later when we get into the second segment. But Robbie, thanks for joining us on Buckeye Talk. We will be back right after the break. We're back on Buckeye Talk. We are joined by another of our intrepid correspondents. This is Kayla Harvey. She's also been with us pretty much from the start of this little team that we put together to help cover Ohio State football recruiting. They've been giving Stephen a lot of assistance over the last year or so. So, Kayla, thanks for joining us on Buckeye Talk. Uh, kind of tell people where you came from and, and why you decided to get involved with this. Sure. So I am originally from Cleveland, Ohio, went to Cleveland Heights. Um, right now I am attending Ohio State. So I am very familiar, you know, with the community here and the education, all of those factors that recruits really look for when they're deciding um, their decisions. So I've been covering the wide receivers and defensive line uh, position groups. Um, and I've been covering more so the four stars, not the five star groups, but a great group of guys um, that have recently earned offers, whether that was in the 2022 group that's still developing or the 2023 group. Basically, the way this works for people who don't know is, uh, you know, we have, you already met Robbie, you're now meeting Kayla, we have uh, a couple other people who have done this with us, and th- they um, have, like she just said, uh, and, and like Robbie said, they have their position groups that they're assigned, so pretty much every day we have sort of an email thread going on, and, and they're all popping in with like, hey, I just talked to this person, here's what they said, or hey, I'm trying to get a hold of this person, um, but here's some like intel that I know about because I saw it on social media, so it's just like kind of a constant flow of that information going, and we're trying to you know package that and get it back out to our subscribers and our listeners, whether it's here on the podcast, whether it's through the text messages. So you mentioned something interesting in there. It was like, as, as being a, a current Ohio state student, I'm curious, do you get into conversations with these athletes about what Ohio state's like, or do they ever have questions for you about, uh, or, you know, here's how I think of this. What do you think? You know, does do any conversations like that take place? Um, so sometimes I kind of feel like it's weird kind of being in the middle of the recruiting because they will ask me, you know, about the education and things like that. And I am a sport industry major as well as journalism. But a lot of these guys that are 
you know, these high uh, profile recruits, they are interested in majoring in sport industry or staying in the field as a whole. So that is something that I'm able to tell them about. Um, I often talk to them about the classes that I take, um, entrepreneurship, brand management, things like that. And also when they come into town, I'm always advocating for them to adventure, you know, North High Street, uh, travel the campus as a whole. So before you became an intern, you were already you know, regularly calling around to these coaches and athletes. Is there anything you've learned about the recruiting process that maybe you didn't know as a fan going into this? Like, have you, Do you have a new perspective on what this is now that you've been on the reporting side of it? Definitely. So coming in during the dead period was kind of weird because I didn't get to learn about, you know, recruits and meet them in person, learn about their values. Um, but one thing that I've learned is that I feel like the great group that we have right now, they are very mature. A lot of them are making decisions by themselves. And I feel like in the recruiting past, that was something that was controlled more so by the parents. But it's amazing to see, you know, these guys really want to take ownership of developing, developing themselves, both as a man um, and a football player. So that's probably one thing that has been completely eye-opening to me. I'm very impressed, you know, with the group of recruits that I've met so far. So let's kind of run down the list of some of the, the most important targets that Ohio State had in over the last couple of days, or emerging targets in some cases. We're, we're recording this on Wednesday. Tuesday's camp was pretty loaded. Wednesday was not quite as top-heavy with, you know, really well-known guys. But one that, that stood out was Braylon James. Can you kind of tell people about him? Um, I was pretty impressed with just, you know, watching him play a little bit. A long guy, uh, made some nice catches, uh, a receiver. Uh, so fill people in on Braylon James. Yeah, so Braylon James was one of the star wide receivers um, at Ohio State camp on Wednesday. He is a four-star, and he has offers from LSU, Penn State, among others. Um, and really, when I got to interview him, of course, the angle right there is always Garrett, Olave, uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and the depth chart that Ohio State has. And what he was able to tell me was that that's not something that intimidates him. He seems like he's a guy that's ready to come in um, and earn that spot. And he also let me in and told me that he actually has a group chat with Carnell Tate, uh, Brandon and his other Ohio State targets. And they often talk about teaming up um, and he wants to be with another top wide receiver. So he does want to re restore that type of duo that Ohio State will have in the season. The receivers are, like you said, that's a group that you've been talking to a lot. And mm -hmm. does that topic come up a lot? Because obviously the guys who are coming in 2023, 2024, even, even the 2022 guys, they're not going to be behind Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson because those guys are going to be in the NFL at that point. But there's just so much talent even behind Wilson and Olave in this room that that's a question that we bring up on the podcast all the time. Is like, well, just how many more really good receivers can Ohio State bring in? Isn't somebody going to balk at some point and be like, why would I go there where there's 10 really good guys? I can go over here where there's two and get on the field faster. So do you feel out a lot of the, the targets on that question when you're talking to them? Of course. So I feel like most of what the thin line between that is, is do they want to embrace the history that Ohio State has or do they want the chance to get, you know, the first snap their freshman year? Um, so 
with specifically with James, you know, he told me that, you know, history was everything. He was impressed with the Woody Hayes facility. And he told me that he was 110% confident with what um, Heartline could build him up. So once again, these are guys that are expected to compete when they come along and work for their spot. I know he got to work a little bit directly with Brian Hartline today, right? I got to do some meeting work yes. as well. What did he have to say about that? So the first time that Brian Hartline pulled him aside, he was working uh, with his stance. Uh, Hartline told him that he kind of looked uncomfortable. And, you know, being from Texas, of course, James has been coached by a lot of different people. So right there in that moment, Hartline was just telling him how he teaches the his positions group. Um, and James responded well to that. Braylon James responded well. He said he got 1% better today, which is like kind of a slogan with him. Uh, but he specifically worked with his technique of standing um, and sticking his feet in the ground. Let's stick with the receivers and, and reach back to Tuesday because there was a, a pretty big win on campus for day camp that day. Uh, a few of them, actually. But uh, Brandon Ennis is the, the number one receiver right now in the 2023 class. His name already came up on this pod because he is pretty closely connected to Trayon Webb, who has already been on campus and um, it whittled his finalists down to three, including Ohio State, on Wednesday. Uh, what did you learn from Ennis about, you know, where he stands with Ohio State and, and what he's looking for? Yeah, so Ennis told me that he has high interest in Ohio State. Once again, the slogan right there, the catchphrase is the NFL legacy that they have. So he talks to Heartline about once a week. Heartline is actually someone he's been in contact with since the eighth grade. So they sort of have that Florida connection there with Heartline's history um, being on the Dolphins. And he was just taking in that moment, really impressed uh, with what Ohio State had to offer. He was one of the attendees at Oklahoma's Champion Barbecue over the weekend, which was very interesting to see that he said that Oklahoma, Miami, and Georgia Tech were some of the schools that he's high on, he'll be visiting, and I believe he will be visiting Alabama on Friday. And he's a guy that we're always on commit watch here, but that's a guy who his decision will not be coming this summer. It could be, it'll probably be more like the fall or even after his yes. next high school season, right? Yes, I asked him about that, and he said it'll come in a couple months, so maybe August or anywhere between after his football season. Gotcha. Uh, over on the defensive side of things, like you said, you're you're a uh, point person on defensive line. Uh, I saw you talking to Derek LeBlanc. Uh, 2023 uh, defensive lineman, number 11 uh, defensive lineman in the country, according to the, the rankings, uh, 6'4", 265, just a ton of offers for this guy. Um, maybe the most unique hairstyle that I saw over the two days I was at camp this week. What else did you learn about Derek LeBlanc? So besides his half up, half down hairstyle, he really seems to love OSU. That was about his third time visiting Ohio as a state. And he's actually in Cincinnati today because he traveled with a group of people. But what he told me was Ohio State is one of the schools that will be in the final count. Um, he's also as high on Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Florida, and Miami. But with Ohio State, he really loves the staff here. He made it a point to connect with the players when he was taking his visit. He toured the facilities several times. And he's just someone that's really 
interested in challenging himself and always becoming better. He didn't get a lot of one-on-one time with Larry Johnson, but when he did have the chance, he always asked to be critiqued. He um, always asked to how he can better himself, and he's always engaged in discussing the game, whether that's how to improve Ohio State's history. He always has a question. When you talk to those defensive line prospects and Larry Johnson's name comes up, what are some of the things that you hear back? Like what, is there like a common theme there in the way that they talk about him? Of course. So always the attraction there is the Bosa brothers and Chase Youngs. These, these are the people that they look up to and they want to follow the same footsteps. So with Johnson, they, these people are going to the camps to get his expertise they are most likely coming back uh, with something out of that. With Derek, he told me that he really liked the way that Johnson went into detail. That's why he came back, because he wanted to get something back that he could pick up again and take with him. So for him, it was all about, you know, being coachable. But everybody wants what Larry Johnson has. You know, in some of these cases, there were players that you've already talked to that you finally got to see do some football here these these last couple of days anything that like impressed you or surprised you from watching these guys in person or just getting to watch them walk around in person because sometimes we I was having a conversation with Steven the other day about a, a player and he was like I did not expect him to look like that he was just a completely different body type than maybe like your the numbers that you see on a screen would would tell you definitely so the some of the recruits that I have been able to one was Derek and um I was just really impressed with his frame, obviously, but um, he had a great balance. He used his hips well, and he could really get off um, at the line. Gotcha. Uh, anybody else that you're – I know that this is the last day of camp, so things have wrapped up there. Um, what's kind of next for you? Who are you, like, uh, keeping an eye on here in the next couple of weeks? Do you, any of the people on your list that uh, you're on, like, kind of commitment watch on or anything like that? So the 2023 group is still pretty new to me, but I have been more familiar with the 2022 group. So I've been getting to know um, players like Ernest Cooper, Christian Miller, uh, Michael Williams, all people like that. Michael Williams obviously just committed to USC. So he is out of the picture, at least for now. But with uh, Christian Miller, I'm very interested to see where he can go. He's actually taking an official visit this weekend. So he'll be at the Ohio State's two-day camp uh, starting on June 25th. And he's actually a frequent visitor. He has a connection with a current Ohio State player, Antoine Jackson. So I'm kind of looking out to see where he'll go, you know, with him having a buddy that went to USC. He trains with Michael a lot. So they're very close friends. And he's also teammates with Joshua White, who is another Ohio State prospect. Um, he infamously said that he compared Larry Johnson to a Lamborghini (laughs) in his first June visit. So, you know, he's someone that wants, wants Larry Johnson to know that he's serious. That's why he keeps coming back to Ohio state. Um, and when I interviewed him in the past, you know, Larry Johnson specifically said that he wants him to make a statement. He wants him to be the guy that starts up the positions group because Ohio state doesn't have any recruits from there right now. Or commitments, rather. Right. So Miller is a uh, defensive lineman from Georgia. And right now, all of the crystal balls, there's six crystal balls in on the 247 site, two to Georgia and four to USC, which you already mentioned because of 
the the connection he has there with the recent commitments. So um, we'll see how that plays out. That's obviously the, the kind of battles that Ohio State gets in sometimes where uh, you, you sometimes finish second to really strong programs. Teams are certainly used to finishing second to Ohio State for some, for some good talents too. So uh, something to keep an eye on. Yeah, Kayla, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed your first time on Buckeye Talk, but uh, hopefully not the last because you'll uh, keep doing good work for us and we'll be in touch. All right. Thank you. Hey, it's Nathan again, wrapping up this episode of the Buckeye Football Futures podcast. Some new friends this week. Thanks again to Robbie Fenbers for joining me. Thanks again to Kayla Harvey for joining me. They are two of the people that we have out each week, just getting uh, the recruiting intel that we pass along to you guys throughout the week and that, that Stephen posts through the text. So again, 614-350-3315. That is where I got the questions for this final segment today. I, I put out the call out earlier today and asked for you guys to shoot some at me, and a couple of you did, so I'm going to run through a couple of these questions. We're going to start in the 312 Apologies if you've already addressed this, but how do you think the 12-team playoff expansion will impact recruiting? Is there a chance more teams being included in the playoffs will reduce the stranglehold the teams like Alabama, OSU, Georgia, Clemson, etc. have on the top classes each year? That's a good question. We did talk about it a little bit, obviously, on the podcast that we did concerning the 12-team playoff. I actually think – I'm going to make the argument that it actually increase the stranglehold if it means that Ohio State – Alabama, et cetera, keep getting in the playoffs and winning even when they would not have been a, a top four team previously. If you understand, like if there's going to be the years where they're already getting in right now, those years that they're one of the top four teams, but then if those teams, the years that they fail where it would fail to make the top four, I should say, where it would open up a spot for someone else, if then Alabama and Ohio State then keep winning and Clemson and, and whoever else you want to throw in that, Oklahoma, then I don't think it makes a difference. I mean, in fact, it, it only make further enhances the stranglehold, that, as, as you put it, that they have on the top of college football. It doesn't really help programs like Oklahoma would be an example that jumps to me. I guess you would say Georgia. I guess you might say Notre Dame. It doesn't really help them that much because they already get in and they're not winning. They're already doing the hard part as far as getting to the playoff. Now they just have to take the next step and win. Um, and I don't, I guess the fact that they will now be involved more, maybe that helps them elevate up to another tier and they get a couple guys that they wouldn't normally get. I, I don't know. That remains to be seen. It's these middle ground teams. And I'm, what I'm talking about there is everybody from like Wisconsin to Texas A&M to Oregon to, I don't know, maybe somebody like Florida you would throw in there those programs now are going to get in the playoff more. I mean, those are programs that other than Oregon have never been in the playoff at all. And, uh, you know, but it, they've got to get in and they've got to consistently win. You know, you could argue that Michigan state, for instance, getting into the playoff a few years ago, they didn't capitalize on that. Or, and if, if there was something to capitalize on and some momentum to be built from that, it didn't happen for them. Now they, they do have Ohio state in their division that made it that much tougher, but look at where they are now. They're not even one of the teams that Ohio State really is concerned about going into any year. You know, I feel like that moment kind of passed them by. And there are windows that you have to try to succeed in. It, we've talked before about the, the rarity of, of a program like Ohio State that just never really has big ups and downs. Or I mean, has big ups, obviously, but never has the big downs where it all kind of gets away from them. 
So I think for those teams, they're going to get in the playoff more. But if they're not consistently winning, the goalposts just move, right? You know, think about it from a basketball standpoint. Making the Sweet 16 is is cool. That's an achievement. To get through the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, as Ohio State found out this past uh, spring, is not a given. And it's an achievement to get to the Sweet 16 and give yourself a chance to then win two more games and get to the national semifinals. So it's cool. But for most programs, especially major programs, Power 5 programs, or in basketball you're expanding a little bit, obviously Gonzaga, not a Power 5 program, uh, but of that stature. For most programs, the Sweet 16 is not the final achievement, though. It's got to be the path to something else, right? And that same thing, I think, is going to exist in football. Initially, it's going to be a big deal when teams are now in the top 12 and they make it in, and now they get to get a taste of this playoff experience, and they're playing these games that have meaning as opposed to games with less meaning, even if they were compelling bowl matchups. But over time... It's not going to be like, well, we're a playoff team. You know, I'm trying to think of what school could say this. Wisconsin can't really still say, well, we're a playoff team, just like Ohio State was a playoff team if Ohio State has won a couple national championships in the last five years and Wisconsin hasn't won a playoff game just because they're getting in the playoff. I think there's got to be success in the playoff. That's the opportunity that exists here. It's not just the 12-team playoff. It's the, the next step that it opens teams up for. But I don't think it, that's easier said than done. I think you might still see what we have right now, which is there's still going to be roughly the same five, six teams that are in that final four mix. And and obviously with Alabama and Clemson, it's been every year, except for one, um, one each that they haven't made it in. And for Ohio State, if this had existed this whole time, they would have been in every year. Um, they've been as, as frequent as any team but Clemson and, and Alabama under the current system. So – if those teams are still the ones that are getting in and winning and make it to the final four, then I think the goalpost moves and people start to say, okay, well, you made the playoff, but these are the final four teams still. That still is what true success is judged by, and they may still be able to kind of build on, again, as you said, that stranglehold. It may just perpetuate. We'll see. Uh, from the 7-4, it's actually Tim S. from Johnstown, Ohio. Can we get some Buckeye talk crystal balls? wasn't sure if Tim was asking – do you want some crystal ball predictions from us? It's not necessarily something we really do. If you, if it's something you want us to add as a feature, I, I understand that question too. I think we'd probably call them something different. I think they would probably, we'd have to come up with a, a, a Buckeye talk uh, specific branding for that. I don't know what that would be. Maybe we should put that out to the texters and say, what, what should we call our, our Buckeye talk prediction things? But that's something I'll have to ask Steven. Maybe he can answer that for himself since he's the guy that leads our, recruiting coverage. I will say, I think the crystal balls have uh, some merit and we've talked about this. I think it was maybe just on last week's pod or one of the recent pods where we were, we were taking questions and we talked, Steven talked a little bit about they're a great indicator of momentum. You know, a guy who is from Ohio and is a three star who has an Ohio state uh, offer or maybe even a lower rated four star. And he has an Ohio state offer for him to have a lot of um, crystal balls projecting him to go to Ohio state is not necessarily significant. I guess you would say that even about players of Jack Sawyer's caliber right next door, Ohio state's in on them early, et cetera, et cetera. Doesn't tell you a lot that they're getting predicted there. What I think what Steven has pointed out is when you see shifts and, and massive shifts from in the crystal balls, 
then that should tell you something. Or if there is a crystal ball that seems to have, be a lot of momentum, several people predicting somebody's going somewhere and then it gets backed off, then um, that might tell you something too, something to keep an eye on that maybe for some reason things got interrupted or the momentum waned and now they're looking somewhere else, that sort of thing. So those things I think are, are important. I also though would say the, maybe there's a time that Buckeye Talk would be involved in that. I do, though, want it to be when we are truly an authority to be able to do that. And I think that's what you guys would want, too. I think there are there are outlets out there who are very tied in, who are very good at doing this sort of thing. And I don't know that we want to jump into the predictive side of things quite yet. I think what we are trying to do is to bring you a more analytical approach to some of these things while we're still building those connections and that infrastructure that would be more predictive maybe down the road. And we want to be able to have the conversations about why something happened or why something is happening or why something is trending without having to get into that sort of predictive side of things that's really more specifically for those recruiting sites. You know, we work pretty closely with 24-7 sports. There are other good ones out there. Um, I worked, uh, I went head to head when I was covering basketball with a really good rivals site in, in that covers Purdue. So those sites are out there and I have, I have respect for them and what they do. So definitely like you'll find the good ones, find the ones that you feel like you can trust. If you really need that, like day to day, uh, getting the, what do you want to say? Like the trying to read the tea leaves and stuff. Uh, we are not quite at a place where I think we're going to be doing that yet. That may be something again, down the road, I think just our niche right now and our better service to all of you who are out there listening, all of you who are tech subscribing is to just try to explain things to you guys in the right context, give you the right perspective on why things are happening. Even if that means that we're not the ones jumping out in front and necessarily predicting that something is going to happen. But you will also see Stephen will, when he's answering questions, when he's doing, Hey, Stevens, when he's here on the podcast, he will tell you, Hey, this, this really looks like an Ohio state commitment. And here's why, or he'll also tell you, uh, sometimes uh, I've talked to people around this player and they say that this school is not really an option. I did that yesterday on the text. We talked to Brennan Vernon, the defensive end for mentor. And he said, you know, people were asking about the visits he'd taken and he's, he loves Ohio state. He seems to really love Notre Dame too. Somebody asked about Clemson. He was like, no, that's not going to happen. Like I just didn't really feel it. That's not where I'm, I I just don't see myself in that up there. And then you cross a team off. So that's not quite the same way, but it's going to, I think it's going to be more in terms of that, that we're going to bring you at least for now, it's going to be, you know, we talked to this person and here's what I'm hearing based on what that person says. And sometimes that'll be predictive, but it won't be quite the same thing as a, a crystal ball uh, as some of the other sites do 24 seven being the ones that have that crystal ball brand. And, and I think they do a good job. So definitely check out our partners at, at two, four, seven sports. And from the four, four, three, it seems like this year's recruiting efforts have an increased focus on Florida than recent past. While I know Florida has always been and likely will continue to be, has there been more emphasis there or does it just seem that way with the volume of recruiting efforts happening this month on campus? Well, some of these things are a little bit cyclical. The the Florida thing, though, this was a great question because I went back and looked. In 2017, Ohio State had four commitments, I guess, slash signees. Now going back to 2017 from the state of Florida. In 2018, they had five, including Nicholas Petit Frere, uh, Teron Vincent and Tyree Johnson. So their top three recruits in the 2018 class ranking wise were all from Florida. And they had two others, uh, seven banks who's obviously still here and did doing well. And Brian Snead who, who didn't work out, but five players out of the 2018 class. And then in 2019, they had one 
Marcus Crowley, who was already mentioned earlier because he's one of the Jacksonville Trinity alums that came here. And uh, in 2020, Legend Cavazos, they also only had one. And he's technically not even a Florida kid. He was out of IMG, but he's originally from Texas. So two guys in two years, and one of them really wasn't even a Florida guy. And in the 2021 class, zero commitments from Florida. So there actually obviously was kind of a pretty fierce halt right there. I don't know. I haven't talked to the coaching staff about this. I'm answering this without uh, having some insider information like that. So I don't know if that was they felt like there was a lull and the, the positions that they needed didn't match up where the positions were of strength in Florida or they just found guys that they liked in other places. You know, obviously there might have been a incredible defensive end coming out of Florida or whatever, but if Jack Sawyer is already committed to Ohio State and JT Tumalau is like on deck to maybe commit to Ohio State or is, is, is people perceive him to be higher as far as a priority than somebody else who would ordinarily consider Ohio State isn't going to look at Ohio State and maybe vice versa. So there was maybe – I, that might have been a factor there a little bit. The other thing to remember here is one of Ohio State's better recruiters in Florida, I, from what I've been able to tell, is Kerry Combs. I know he has some connections down there. That's where he's been able to go get some of the defensive backs he's gotten over the years, including those Jacksonville Trinity guys like Sean Wade, like Tyreek Johnson, who again didn't work out, but you're still pulling a, a five-star guy out of Florida to come up. And obviously there was a lull there of a couple of years where Kerry Combs was not in this program. Guess who's back? <laughs> to quote Eminem, Kerry Combs is back. And now for the 2022 class, you already have commitments from Jaheim Singletary, Ryan Turner, Kai Stokes, all defensive backs of varying levels of, of ranking, but Singletary being a five-star, Kai Stokes being a three-star, and, and, and Turner there in the middle. And you also got Trayon Webb, who we talked about earlier tonight, another kid out of Jacksonville who's got him in the top three. And there's, there's other guys that they're pursuing from Florida. So I, part of this might have just been – normal cycle of recruiting that it for whatever reason Florida wasn't as much of a priority but I also think that Kerry Combs being back in the mix and using his connections has also probably been a factor there like you say um, our texture from the 443 Florida is always gonna have to be something that Ohio State is dealing with uh, as as a national power you're always going to have to have an eye in florida you're always going to have to have a connection to florida you're always going to have to be able to get guys that you really need out of florida that's just a state that is abundant in college football talent but ohio state has also done so well in texas done so well in california obviously locks down its own border pretty well and there's some good football talent coming out of this state or actually i guess more to the point not coming out of this state staying in state for ohio state they've done a good job raiding pennsylvania when they need to so I don't think the Florida thing has necessarily cost them very much. They've obviously been in, involved with some guys that they didn't get over that time period. But I think it's a thing to keep an eye on going forward. Is like as Kerry Combs has reintroduced himself to this program and reestablished those recruiting connections in Florida that were dormant for a couple of years, I think that's why you're seeing some of what's happened with 2022, why it's been such a big burst of Florida. And then let's keep an eye on 2023, 2024, and see if that trend continues. That'll do it for this episode of the Buckeye Football Futures podcast. Come with us next week. So for the absent Stephen Means and for Kayla Harvey and for Robbie Fenbers, I'm Nathan Baird, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.